0: Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast.
1: It's time to roll your sleeves up and get your hands dirty with Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. And that's right. You're on Dirt Radio. Hello and good morning. You're with Colin. We're broadcasting, as usual, live from 3CR Studio in Collingwood. Dirt Radio is a show sponsored by Friends of the Earth in Melbourne. You can check us out at www.fo.org.au. And a big thanks to the Yarraberg crew for the great show. So today, I wanted to talk about the coming decision to potentially ban gas drilling in Victoria. The decision has been postponed in June because of the election stuff. And this month, we will see a huge news with the Lock the Gate campaign. So Chloe is with me today. And uh, Chloe, she's the campaign coordinator for Lock the Gate in Victoria. And uh, actually, you're working under the Friends of Gears banner. How are you going today?
0: Good, thank you, Colin.
1: It's a pleasure. So, we'll talk a little bit about this announcement, what's coming up, um, when that's going to happen.
0: Sure. So um, we were supposed to get an outcome on the unconventional gas campaign in Victoria, a decision whether or not they were going to ban onshore gas drilling back in June. Um, just before the announcement was going to be made, though, there was a cabinet reshuffle in Victorian Parliament and the previous resources minister, Lily D'Ambrosio, got her portfolio changed from energy and resources to energy and environment,
1: Okay. Um,
0: which which was an interesting move, actually, because we really think that energy and environment should be in the same portfolio because they're inextricably linked. Coal is causing climate change and it's our primary source of energy production.
1: So we saw that as a positive thing, but... So having like the two mix in the same portfolio, you mean they're going to have the opportunity to have a better communications between the the two ministers... the minister, Was yeah, the minister?
0: Right. Rather than having competing portfolios where yeah. they where one minister is trying to advocate for you know the, the coal industry and energy, and the other is trying to advocate for the environment and climate change, um, now they're going to have to consider the two in the same portfolio. And we think that that has the potential to be a really positive thing, as long as they do take the environment part seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did mean that the minister that had been considering the issue of onshore gas drilling had been talking to the community for years now. Suddenly moved out of the portfolio portfolio. portfolio and we got a new resources minister, Wade Noonan, um, and uh, he decided that um, they were going to extend the decision out in another two months and we wouldn't get a decision on the onshore gas industry until August. So here, here we are two months later. Um, wow. it's, um, we're expecting a decision in the next couple of weeks. Um, c- communities are, are getting quite tired and frustrated, and we really hope that the Minister is going to side with the community and say we don't want any onshore gas drilling that's going to risk water systems, local environment, um, local economy and industrialise our rural communities.
1: What, um, what are you expecting for the type of answers? Which the, what are the different scenarios we could look for? Mm,
0: there are a few different scenarios. Um, the, the first and probably the most scary is that they're going to lift the moratorium that is currently on onshore gas drilling. So um, the community have managed to get a moratorium or a temporary ban in place on the process of fracking and on any exploratory drilling for onshore gas in Victoria. They managed to get that back in 2012 and have fought to keep that moratorium in place. Um, they is obviously a lot of pressure not only from industry for Victoria to lift that moratorium but even from fe- federal government, the new energy and um, and environment minister uh, at the federal level, Josh Frydenberg, has explicitly stated in the last week that he thinks that states like Victoria that have moratoriums should lift them and that onshore gas drilling and fracking should take place in Victoria. Um, so they, they're receiving pressure from a lot of angles to li- lift the moratorium. Um, and that really would be a disaster for communities who've worked so hard to stop this risky drilling from taking place, and who've been working really hard to um, to make their argue- arguments heard. That first of all, we don't need this gas. There's a, we've got plenty of conventional offshore gas resources. What Secondly, do you mean?
1: What do you mean we don't need this gas? I mean, like I'm pretty gonna go really like basic Uh, Mm. my heaters at home it's winter time Mm. I hit with gas I cooked with gas
0: that's right so we we are actually really high gas users in Victoria and that's because historically we've had very low gas prices we've had big reserves of gas offshore um, in Gippsland and in the away basin in Western Victoria and we've used gas to heat our homes to cook our food um, all a whole range of, of domestic uses as well as uses for industry and um, they, we still have very significant conventional offshore reserves so they they, um, they the current the current estimations are there at least 30 or 40 years of conventional gas on current use that we have offshore Um, but also, what has happened in the last few years is that we've linked our domestic gas prices to international prices because the um, the unconventional gas industry has found that they can make more money from extracting gas and selling it to the Asian market. And so they've constructed um, in partnership with government these massive gas export facilities from Queensland and um, they are using those to export gas to get a much higher price, about $15 a gigajoule rather than $3.40 a gig which is That's what we huge. currently pay. So it, and it means that now that our market is linked our domestic gas prices are going to jump, you know, potentially up to 300%. And what um, what are these
1: companies who's drilling and who's exporting? Um
0: lo- lots of lots of different companies, um hmm. Australian based companies like Santos, um uh, Companies like Queensland Gas Company that are partly owned by BP, yeah. um, a, a, whole, a whole range of companies, both domestic and multinational.
1: So you, you're telling me because there is a risk by doing some onshore gas drilling and mm. unconventional gas drilling here in our, in our land. So we've got a risk for, for water, I reckon, in community, in farming. So we're putting all this land at risk just to trying to to sell it overseas in the Asian market.
0: Yeah, and the, and it's very unlikely that we will see in any of the profits. Um, 84% of these companies are own, owned by foreign interests and the majority of the profits will go to so those foreign interests. Mm-hmm. We're finding in Queensland they're not making significant amounts of money from the royalties. So it is a lot of risk for Australian people to bear for gas that we're not going to use and it's going to
1: be more expensive what you just said
0: yeah yeah and um and so because it's more expensive people are going to start using electrical appliances the alternative to their current gas appliances and melbourne university um pre- predict that gas use in the whole of eastern seaboard of australia may as much as halve in the next 10 years so actually those offshore resources that we have could extend um you know well well into the next 50 60 years because of um our people switching to electricity because gas is just going to become too expensive because of the the pressure that these gas companies are put on our our domestic gas market
1: well that's huge so also, during all these years, you, you build up like a really strong partnership with all the communities mm-hmm. around Victoria, some in South Australia, some of the community in New South Wales, and I reckon some of them in Queensland also. If a ban happens, uh, what's your plan to keep this like incredible partnership Keeping strong. Mm,
0: so, the, these we've got 75 communities that um, have declared themselves gas field free, and these c- communities have been working very hard um, to mobilise, really comprehensively mobilise the people in their community in opposition to this onshore gas drilling. It's been an absolutely amazing community movement. I think probably one of the biggest community movements Victoria has and Australia has ever seen. Um, and they are advocating for a ban. We really want a ban on all onshore gas drilling. We don't need the gas, the risks are too great to communities um, and they, we we want the um, the government to prioritise the environment and farming and rural industries and um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting if we do get a ban, in the case that we do get a ban, what happens to those communities um, Community groups now they 've um, got all of these amazing skills in grassroots campaigning i think they 're very keen to use them to try and um, to try and uh, address other issues in their communities uh, we really want to we really hope that if victoria gets a ban it 's going to help the Unconventional gas campaigns in other states about ninety um, percent of the Northern territory is currently covered in licenses and massive areas of western Australia are covered in in shale and tight gas licenses and they could be fracking right across those areas that have very low population density and we really hope that if we get a ban in Victoria it will give help give those other states ammunition and I think the community groups will be really keen to work on that um, and throughout the campaign I think People have also um, also come to understand the threat that climate change fa- um, poses to rural Victoria and, you know, Australia generally, and I think people will be keen to, to try and address that issue as well. Um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see where this big groundswell of, of social movement decides to take its power next.
1: Roughly, I'm thinking about um, jobs, I mean, I've been I've been reading some of the uh, blogs uh, about uh, the coal and uh, gas fields. And I saw like there is like some people questioning about this problem of jobs. Are we do we have any type of solutions to bring? Because if we have like this, if we extend this moratorium or if we have a ban, I mean, the people working in 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 the gas industry, what's. What's going to happen to them?
0: Mm, so the, the one thing that the gas industry does try to promise communities and, and the government are uh, jobs from um, uh, unconventional gas fields. but So
1: creating new jobs or keeping the existing jobs?
0: They say that they're going to create new jobs in rural communities, but we have a lot of questions about their claims. Yeah. Um, first of all... They often, they often use a lot of job multipliers when they talk about the jobs that they're going to create. So they say, oh, you know, we'll create these 10 jobs in the community, but, you know, they'll indirectly employ a number of people through the services industry and stuff like that. Um, so they, they have quite high jobs claims for the industry, but um, when you drill, drill down to those figures, only about 20,000 people in the whole of Australia are currently employed by the oil and gas industry, and it's actually less than Bunnings in the entire oil and gas industry, (laughs) onshore and offshore in Australia at the moment. Um, We don't think... Most of these jobs are very highly skilled and um, they don't employ local people very often. And... um, and the the construction process. Most of the jobs are in the construction phase of the industry, and Queensland is going to finish their construction phase around the time that Victoria would start if they lifted the moratorium. So, what we'd actually see is a whole heap of fly in, fly out workers coming to Victoria for the construction phase, which is only about you know two years long, flying back and and there there might be a small bubble where there's more action in these rural communities, but it won't be employing local people. When the construction phase ends, um, the you know these towns will become just deserted. and um yeah there's a lot of a lot of um a a lot of concern about how that kind of uh, mining development actually disrupts existing local economies that are based on agriculture and service industries and that kind of thing, even um, tourism
1: yeah, and tourism
0: things. as well for sure because yeah. I can
1: like the one of the big problems also i think in uh, in queensland in the, all these places like there is a lot of trucks, a lot of movements, a lot of dust i mean the the gas industry takes a lot of space mm. and uh, if I decide to go. Uh, with my family, going on a holiday, spending a week in a nice little place mm. around Victoria. And I'm just like surrounded by, uh, by trucks and gas trucks and people doing some construction. I might decide maybe to postpone my holidays yeah, or to go somewhere else.
0: Very much changes the nature of of the area, and we are talking about the Great Ocean Road. We're talking about um, areas of Gippsland that are very popular with tourists, and we would we would be potentially making that sacrifice of of um, tourism while while there was that that level of activity there and um, and. Yeah, I think I think that's a big concern.
1: How long this industry? So you say the the construction phase is going for roughly two years. Yeah, t- and after how many years do they do the exploitation? And,
0: uh... So the uh, an average gas well can last somewhere between ten and thirty years. I think they usually last in their production phase. Yeah, and We're talking
1: conventional. No, unconventional? unconventional.
0: Yeah, and they okay. can they can be fracked up to about nine ten times. But.
1: But there is water. I mean, they're using this chemical water for fracking. So they inject uh, high-pressure mix of water and chemical product. And after they store this water, Mm. what they've been able to get back from the ground in little like swimming pools roughly yeah, call it so swimming pools, maybe pools you don't <laughs> want to swim in that <laughs> I don't think you want to swim in it
0: um, but yeah so wastewater is a massive issue they have to yeah. use uh, you know, uh, huge amounts of water sometimes up to um, 30 million litres per well per frack and um, that water can contain fracking chemicals in it but it can also contain chemicals that naturally exist in the geology that the fracking process releases they don't know what to to do with that a wastewater a lot of the time. Um, a lot of the time, um, you know, your traditional water treatment processes like reverse osmosis and that kind of thing won't actually extract a lot of the harmful chemicals. Um, are we
1: storing it at the moment? What's going on in I, the, I, Queensland and I think, and New South I think Wales? that there
0: are big problems in Queensland and New South Wales with figuring out what to do with that wastewater. There's been cases where um, AGL in um, New South Wales were found to have illegally dumped it in the Hunter, um, Hunter Valley sewerage system. Um, of course um, yeah. people who surprised people like found that. Them- dumping water in creeks, wastewater in creeks, and um, using it for dust suppression on roads. And uh, all of these create uh, pathways for these chemicals to enter the water system in different ways that could be harmful to the community in the future.
1: In the future and right now? Yeah. I mean, like the Hunter Valley, it's full of... It's a big vineyard. I Mm. mean, like most of... 90% of our Rieslings are coming from the Hunter Valley. It's a beautiful vineyard region, and it's been fracked at the moment. Yeah. For just to send gas
0: overseas, overseas yeah. and
1: yeah i make a price of mm. it's incredible yeah. anyway
0: and um, I, I mean, all, all kinds of agricultural projects, and grapes especially, are very sensitive to air pollution. I know, and there's huge—it's huge amounts of air pollution involved with the industry as well, because you have to be—they release gas from these wells, they um, flare, and um, create a lot of air pollution in the process that that can potentially damage not only people and animals' health, but um, yeah, food products as well.
1: Is there? Do they have like any? Um authorization for example if you got some cattles like imagine like we got uh, some uh, some fracking happening in uh, in western victoria and you got all these like cattles and sheep uh, hanging around Is, can they just hang around the whale like that or do they have like a certain perimeters
0: um, so usually the, the well is kept in, in in a in a cage more or less to stop animals from from entering the uh, those holding ponds that hold the wastewater for instance and in the and the gas well areas. But people do have. Um, I know that there are properties in in Queensland um, that do have livestock. On the same property as the gas wells, but people have big concerns about that um, in australia you have to you have to sign a complicated document called a national vendor's declaration when you have livestock to say that you can prove um, or, or you make this declaration that your livestock haven't been in contact with any dangerous chemicals.
1: Oh, well. And
0: we don't think that you can sign that document in good faith if you have gas wells on your property because you just don't know what chemicals your animals could be exposed to, either through water spills or um, air pollution. Exactly,
1: yeah. Mm. And I have, I'm a, as a consumer, I want to be sure that uh, the the meat I would eat or the crops I would eat, you know, it's been like, well produced,
0: mm, yeah, and away from away from carcinogenic and dangerous chemicals.
1: How are we going to be able to to follow and to know what's going on? If we're going to have a moratorium, a ban, or if they're going ahead?
0: Yeah, I think it, it's it would be really great if you can follow us on social media. Mm-hmm. Our Twitter account is at um, gasfieldfreevic. Uh, the Facebook page is Coal and Gas Free Victoria and we would love it if you can keep in contact so you can follow our calls to action over the next couple of weeks and either help us celebrate a ban if we get one or join the fight if, if we don't and we have to keep, keep fighting this industry
1: into the yeah. future. Perfect. And uh, on Dirt Radio, we will make sure that you got the message and uh, we'll let you know if there is like dates to celebrate or to join the fight. Thank you. Thank you very much, Chloé. I will quickly, uh, if you want to stay with me for the second party of the show, so we will talk about the French nuclear waste dump. And uh, so Chloe is the full coordinator for the Lock the Gate campaign here in Victoria. And we are waiting for the final announcement this coming week regarding a ban on gas and the protection of our prime farmland. Get in touch with the collective online at colandgasfreevic.org.
0: Which base provides key information for every U.S. drone strike played a crucial role in Iraq and Afghanistan wars, as well as providing targeting and surveillance information for the Israeli Defence Force? Star Wars. The Empire Strikes Back. War. Is terrorism. Terrorism. It's the Pine Gap Joint Defence Facility, located just 20 kilometres from Alice terrorism. Springs on Aranda Country, and this year marks 50 Empire years of its back. inglorious War existence. Come and join the Close Pine Gap protest near the gates the of the Empire base from September 26th to 30th. For all the details, head to closepinegap.org. Getting quick to book your early bird bus ticket from Melbourne for just $200 return. That's closepinegap.org. See you then. Close Pine, Pine Gap Black is a 3CR Black. supporter. What is terrorism. terrorism? Star Wars.
1: And you're back on Dirt Radio, show sponsored by Friends of the Earth, you with Colin and Chloe until 11 a.m. So I'm going, trying to be a little bit short. I'm going to tell you a little bit my story of activists and uh, why it led to the French anti nuclear and how to draw a parallel. To uh, to what's happening in Australia, so as you know, my name is Colin, and I'm I was born in France in nineteen eighty six. I studied wine for several years, and with studying wine, I also study a lot of like geography. And when I was around twenty, twenty three years old, I just realized that every vineyard in France. They, were, they had like a nuclear power plant next to it because they needed a lot of water and both of them need, needed some water. <laughs> and that was a huge and direct threat to my job at the time and also like to the heritage, heritage of, the, of the French country. So 23 years old, I just started to be an anti-nuclear activist. And while I was working as a sommelier in some high-class restaurants so i 've learned a lot by working with experienced activists in France and with launching some action against this uh, this industry. so I realized that this industry it's getting in france i 'm talking the, 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 the this french industry it 's getting really old it 's super expensive it 's very dangerous, and the government at the moment they don 't have a long term strategy for it we don't know what to do with the nuclear power plant. When it's finished, when it's get too old, we try to dismantle them, but we cannot. So one of these nuclear power plants, it's been started maybe 20 years ago. We're trying to put it apart, but no way, it's still up. And we got 58 nuclear reactors in France. So France, it's roughly 14 times smaller than Australia. 58 very dangerous and old nuclear reactors over there. So, roughly the subject is too big for a 10-minute talk, but we currently have something in common, that's the nuclear waste dump. So, since mid-April, a lot of things happened in, uh, in France, so we want to build a nuclear waste dump in the northeast of France. We, when I say we, is the government and the nuclear industry. So roughly, could you imagine, Chloe, it's near Belgium and Mm -hmm. Germany, this little border here. So what what they've been thinking for several years is just like to dig a hole and to dump things in. So that's the best solution to trying to cover up, trying to make us forget about...
0: So how how deep are these holes? Like how far underground are they?
1: So roughly, that's twice. not gonna be um, a big hole. What they're gonna do is like they're gonna they're gonna dig a well of over five hundred meters deep, right. right down and under. They're gonna they're gonna build and excavate it over three hundred kilometers of gallery, wow, all around, and they're gonna fill up this gallery with big barrels. Full of uh, radioactive waste. Wow. When we're talking like radioactive waste, it's 100,000 cubic meters. It's massive. It's nine, over 99% of all the French radioactive waste. And it's like high, very highly dangerous and medium dangerous. Wow. It's pretty, pretty tough. So we want to have this dump going for over 100,000 years. Right. <laughs> That's huge. 100 100,000 years and the so the industrial implantation only so we're looking for 130 years of industrial implantation and after 130 years we'll close and we'll leave.
0: Right. And they expect that they can they can guarantee the safety of that for 100,000 years.
1: So we saying no, they're saying yes. The, the big problem, it's because with nuclear waste, when you put them in big barrels, they're still creating a gas inside these barrels. So you cannot, it's super dangerous, so you cannot have the barrels uh, permeable. So you need to make sure like the, the gas go out of right. these barrels, otherwise it's going to just like get bigger and bigger and, and bigger and just like explode. And
0: explode underground. Yeah,
1: exactly. A little bit like a... Diet Coke and Mentos, you know, <laughs> all together in a bottle. So you need to leave the bottle. Diet Coke and Mentos. <laughs> totally. So that's go- all going to be underground. So with ventilation system to make sure it extracts all this gas. The problem is if there is, we stop using, a, if there is a problem with the electricity, we stop extracting all this gas. If there is a fire done like five meters down in one of these galleries, how are we going to be sure? We're going to be able to access that. It's gonna be really high, high level radioactivity. Humans cannot go there, even cameras, drones, it just explodes because the radioactivity is too high. Wow. Like in Fukushima, for example, we've been able to intervene in Fukushima weeks after the explosion because the radioactivity was too intense at mm-hmm. the heart of the, um, of the power plant. So roughly the cost Of that, it's going to be between 25 and 35 billion euros. Wow. So it's going to be massive. And it's the biggest industrial project in Europe. And two days ago, it's been passed in a parliament and the deputy house in France. At the moment in France, it's summer. It's like the big summer holiday. We just had the, the Euro so- the soccer cup just finished. Everyone's and out partying. Exactly. And ministers and everyone. Only 20 deputies, on over 200 deputies, voted to pass this project. So on 20
0: members of parliament.
1: 20 members of parliament, mm. exactly. Just like pass this project without asking anyone, without putting any amendments for the, for the project and saying yes. We'll go ahead. Wow. And putting France in so much trouble for the next 100,000 years. So what's
0: the reaction from the community been?
1: So like the reaction, it's been fighting for a while now. Um, At the moment, there is occupation of uh, forest because it's, of course, the same thing they they want to do in Australia. They're going in remote communities, small, tiny villages, and they're going to put their... Right. The crap there. so there is big occupation of forest up there and uh, bringing a lot of people up there. So they started like to build walls all around to trying to stop people coming in and building like non-violent direct action,
0: right, to stop the project going ahead.
1: Yeah, exactly. Wow. So at the moment, it's really like a mass protest on the site mm-hmm. to trying to stop them.
0: Mm.
1: The um, yeah, and that's been that that's the big. Issue in front is being it's so nuclear it 's so undemocratic mm. and uh, we've seen that for like years and years and years since the beginning of the first nuclear power plant, only like a handful of politics decided to put the country at risk for hundreds of years centuries, and we can see a little bit the same issue here in Australia that nuclear it's not an energy of the future it's very dangerous things and we got no idea what to do with the crap and at the moment there is a big um, inquiry about and they even picked up the site for for nuclear waste dump here in australia in south australia in south australia mm. near the flinders and they got no idea. In France, I'm telling you, it costs between 25 and 35 billion euros to organize a waste dump, something it's trying to make it a little bit organized. Hopefully, it's not going to blow everything up. But mm. here in Australia, they got no idea what they're going to do. They don't have the money. South Australia, where is they going to be able to find 20 billion dollars just to build a nuclear waste dump?
0: Yeah right so um and the the nuclear waste dump they want to build here in South Australia is even far inferior to the to the one that they're proposing in France is that right
1: could you say that again? Oh,
0: it's um, it's not nearly, not nearly as um, advanced in the safety technology. Oh no, as no, the no, no! not got
1: No idea. I mean, it's really like a type of a redneck style. You know, like dig a hole and dump. Cowboy, cowboy nuclear waste and, dumping. Um, uh, yeah, totally. Just like yeah, dig the hole, dump the washing machine in, and <laughs> just like cover it up. Exactly this type of process, and that's not going to happen like that. And we need here in Australia, to be really aware. That's a dangerous thing. We need to think ahead. We need to have the community support with us and we need to, to understand properly the implication of this type of decision. Mm, right. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much, Chloe. Uh, we're running just on time. So that's it for Dirt Radio for another week. Uh, we'll be here next Monday. Don't forget that Dirt Radio is affiliated with Friends of the Earth in Melbourne. You can go to the website at www.fo.org